Welcome to the party, pal. Michael Dukes show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Mm-hmm. Streaming live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream and everything else, of course, also on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch TV. The podcasts are available after the show on uh, CastBox, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify. We're everywhere. Oh, and by the way, on your local radio station and or translator across the state of Alaska. <laughs> oh, man, we're ready to do it. Are you ready to jump into this and dive in and uh, and uh, figure out what's going to go on today? We've got a lot of stuff lined up uh, to discuss on the show. We're going to let you help us drive the bus as well today, and uh, we're going to have a uh, – it's hump day, man. I could see Friday from here. It's it's and it's gonna be a long week. Uh, I'm gonna be in Fairbanks this weekend broadcasting the Open North American Championships, which are the well, if the Iditarod is the Daytona 500, the 500 mile you know marathon race for uh for uh you know sled dogs, then the Open North American Championships is like the quarter mile you know drag race it's uh it is the uh, sprint racing for dogs it's going to be going up at fairbanks this weekend friday saturday and sunday we'll be broadcasting live up there on the radio stations in fairbanks on kfar and uh we're going to have a a fantastic week but it's going to be it's going to be a long weekend we're going to be doing it which reminds me uh to tell you that i will actually be traveling back on monday and so unfortunately you guys are going to have to deal with Monday all on your own. I'm not going to be here on Monday. It's going to be alternate programming. So like Doug Steffen's good day up in the interior and in the uh, up in the center of the state. And uh, I think it's going to be uh, Mike Gallagher down uh, on the peninsula. But we'll see whatever happens. I won't be here on Monday and uh, we will be continuing um, our good stuff um, starting Tuesday morning. So. Uh, that's just a that's just a full heads up and reminder of what's going on. But yeah, we're going to be broadcasting all weekend up in Fairbanks. Looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. Uh, but what's uh, <clears throat> you don't care about that? You don't care about that. What's going on today? Well, let me tell you. So this morning we're going to be uh, dissecting some of the headlines, including. The governor's release of the new uh, spring revenue forecast yesterday and um, uh, some other proposals from the governor, which I think is kind of exciting. I kind of like it. Uh, We're going to talk about that. Uh, We'll talk about some of the other uh, things that are going on around the state and maybe even around the country. Uh Uh-huh. And then uh, this morning, oh, we're also going to hear, we're going to get an update on... um, 
What happened last night at the Matsu Borough Assembly meeting on this gun range ordinance? My friend L.D. Howard's going to call in for just a few minutes to kind of share with us what's going on there. Uh, we might get into this further on Firearms Friday, but it's uh, it was a good piece of news. So I invited L.D. on this morning to uh, just kind of do a victory lap with us and, uh, and uh, you know, share what what happened so that'll be an hour one and then we'll do phone calls and some other stuff finally we will uh in hour two we'll be diving into it with um uh we're but we're going to dive into it with Edie grunewald who is the candidate for lieutenant governor on the ticket with mayor charlie pierce so We'll see what happens. This should be this should be a fun discussion uh, in hour two, and so that's kind of how we have everything lined up this morning. Now tomorrow on the program, we're going to talk about uh, there's a PFD debate that's coming up. Uh, Mike Shower, Scott Kawasaki, um, and uh, I think Bill Wilikowski are going to be part of it. We're going to get the full details of this tomorrow morning with Scott Kawasaki, who's going to be joining us. Mike Showers is not going to be able to join us this week for the Shower Hour of Power, so just fair, full disclosure here at this point, it uh, didn't work out for him, so he, we just couldn't we couldn't make it all work. So that's going to be coming up, and uh, we'll uh, that's kind of the rest of the week. And then Friday, we got stuff on Friday. Speaking of Friday, uh, I guess here's the story we could start off with, um, and I'll just – brief over it because I don't want to get too far into it. It is more firearms related. Uh, but uh, Suzanne Downing's got a piece up in Mustard talking about the new spending bill in um, uh, in the Congress. It is the $1.5 trillion spending bill that, I mean, first and foremost, wow. Sullivan voted against it, by the way. Both Murkowski and Don Young voted to pass it even though it contains two anti-gun provisions in it. The first one, which is necessarily affect Alaska per se, but could, as we're not an official Second Amendment sanctuary state, but the one provision allows the ATF to deputize local police as ATF agents, and then they would enforce federal gun laws, allowing the government to override that sanctuary protection to say that Federal officers had no jurisdiction in that. Um, so, I, yeah, uh, I don't know exactly legally how that would work. I mean, even if they are local officers, if they're being deputized under the federal authority, I think that that would still fly afoul of the Second Amendment Protection Act that some states have put into place. But uh, it's troubling none the least. It's an attempted end run around Second Amendment sanctuary uh, laws in various cities, municipalities, and states. But the more troubling one is sections 1101 and 1102, which include the Nix Denial Notification Act. And this would essentially launch criminal investigations into firearms transfer background check denials. Now, I haven't read the full text of the bill, and hopefully by Friday I'll have a little bit more of a handle on it. But I just want to remind people that you know when you go get a, when you go to buy a gun and you have to pass a NICS check, National Instant Check System check. <clears throat> nine out of ten times that you are denied or delayed, nine out of ten, ninety percent of the time, 
The system has falsely denied a law-abiding citizen, and it's usually reversed. Now, I don't know if it affects delays or just denials. I've never been denied, but I have been delayed when I go to purchase a gun. So I don't know if it affects just denials or if it's delays and denials. But either way, nine out of ten times the system falsely denies a law-abiding citizen. This new law, which goes into effect, would essentially create a criminal investigation into any person who has been denied the ability to purchase a gun. Um, Again, overall, less than one out of 100 NICS checks are denied, usually due to a felony record. But in many cases, the denial is due to faulty information in the NICS database. Sometimes it's a similar name. Sometimes it's a similar Social Security number or a fat fingering of the Social Security number. I mean, we just don't know. But anyone who fails the next check will be criminally investigated by the FBI or ATF for having to attempted to purchase a firearm. Some would say, well, this is good because the next check is, you know, because we get all these <clears throat> purchases and straw purchases and less than a fraction of them have ever been prosecuted. But again, we need more we need more clarification on this. And so we're going to dive into that on the um we're going to dive into that on Friday, but overall, um, those two pieces for me, if I had been standing in the, I mean, this is why I will never run for national office, but I mean, if I was a senator or a congressman, I would have, uh, in, I, no, I would have said no. And Senator Sullivan, by the way, said uh, he had not had time to read the bill and it was as it was being hurried through. And uh, Sullivan said, no, he was not interested in signing it without knowing all the particulars. So uh, anyway, that's the that's the first big that's the first big story of the day, which I'm sure we will dive deeper into, um, into the uh, um, you know in the in into the in Firearms Friday. Uh, let's see, early voting is available now in Anchorage. They just mailed out 210,000 ballots yesterday to qualified voters for the upcoming April 5th election. And uh, they can, you can, you'll, if you live in the Anchorage area, you'll get your ballots. You can fill them out, sign them. You can put them back in the mail or you can place them in a secure election drop box or you can return them to the Anchorage Vote Center. And they actually have ballot tracking this year, which you can sign up to receive notices about where your ballots are in the process. Uh, probably not a, probably not a bad thing to do if you ask me. Um, so that's, um, that's that. That's all that good stuff there. Um, what else? I guess I guess we're kind of on to the big story of the day, which yesterday was um, the fact that uh, Governor Mike Dunleavy held a press conference talking about the updated spring revenue forecast. And according to the state's two-year forecast, it has raised the oil revenue by an additional $3.6 billion, meaning that that we could, according to, well, Kate, as KTU2U puts it, the state can pay a $3,700 PFD with still $3.6 billion in surplus um, and putting money away into savings. But, of course, we can already see the handwriting on the wall uh, Representative Neil Foster and Senator Burt Stedman have been quoted extensively in several publications 
talking about this, saying, well, we're, you that may be the number. We're going to use different numbers, and we're going to save anything that we can. I mean, all of a sudden, they begin super concerned about saving. I mean, when they had the money and they were living out of the savings account and they were living out of the ERA and they were drawing money down out of your permanent fund, then they won't. They weren't so concerned about savings. Now that they will have a surplus, could pay the full statutory dividend, could pay a 50-50 dividend. The governor, the way the governor broke it down is that he said you could pay the 50-50 dividend at $2,500 and pay the remainder of the 50-50 from last year, another $1,200 for that $3,700. You could still pay all that and have money left over. But they are having none of it. I can just tell. I can see it right now. The the handwriting is on the wall. They are not interested in any of that. Now they waited two weeks for this revenue forecast to come out. Uh, so they basically the house has basically been sitting on their thumb for two weeks, and now they're saying, "Well, we're going to have a new version of the bill out today, tomorrow, you know, Wednesday. This is yesterday." So I mean, they waited for the numbers, and then they've got the bill ready for. To, to, I mean. I, this the the fix is in. I mean, come on. But you could see it already. The all the quotes from Stedman and Foster all go back to, oh well, we just you know we've got to save. We've got to we've got to make sure the the people are the state is protected. We've got to put all this money away. I mean, no problem drawing it all out, spending the ERA, spending down the CBR, all that wild stuff that they did. But now, now. We're concerned about it. I mean, this is... It's astonishing stuff, man. It's just... But congratulations to the governor. I mean, that was a, a bold a bold move. I'm glad he did it. I thought it would have been nicer to see just the full statutory PFD, which would have been $4,200. But again, you could see that even as he pushes these things forward, there's just no political will to get it done. Maybe amongst the rank and file members, but because you got people like Neil Foster and Bert Stedman in there. Oh, no, no, no. We got to protect the government spend. The Michael Duke Show. Coming up next, we're going to open up the phone line, see what you have to say. On your home for common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Hi, how are you? Hello. Oh, man. Uh-huh. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, Wednesdays. I've got the Wednesdays today. I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. Good morning, good morning, good morning. A new perspective. Don't fathom it. Is that Edie Grunewald's voice? No, that's actually Natasha. Um, but uh, I always thought it was funny. You know, we've got the... We've got the cure for your wanting a new perspective. Open wide for a steaming hot cup of freedom. Um, 
Sean says cost of living is about to make a steep increase. I mean, it's already going up. We're seeing it. Uh, I don't know if you've been buying groceries, but I'm already seeing it at the grocery store. We're seeing it at the gas pump. Uh, we're going to start to see, they said 7% inflation was the number that I saw yesterday. Um, and I just, I don't think it's going to, I just don't, I don't think it's going to get much better. I don't think it's going to get much better. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll, I guess we'll see what, uh, I guess we'll see what happens as we go forward. All per- um, all right. Um, what else is going on? Let me roll through these call these uh, comments in the chat room before we jump over to the phones. I've got a, uh, I think I've got LD Howard on the line right now. Let's just double check to make sure. Are you there, sir? Yes, I am. Okay, good. Well, enjoy my virtual coffee and virtual donuts in my virtual green room. Okay, just hang out and <laughs> enjoy them there. List, Thanks, leave, Michael. Leave me the ones with the sprinkles because those are my favorite. Um. Uh, good morning, good morning, good morning. The greed and the entitlement is astonishing to me. Uh, they think the average voter has the attention span of a gnat. Political lip service is what Sean says. Click Bishop, too. He won't let go of a dime for the PFD. It's the Alaska legislature. They never fail to disappoint. Um, but they also, Brian says, not only they never fail to disappoint, they may not be wrong about uh, people having the attention span of a gnat, of a gnat. No, that you're, you're not wrong there. You are not wrong. Um, <clears throat> all right, so we're going to visit with LD Howard here in a second, talking about getting an update on what happened at the Matsu last night, and just a little background on the uh, ordinance and uh, what happened uh, at the meeting last night. Which I did not attend. Um, I find myself, well, I'm I'm kind of an early to bed guy now. I mean, like by seven o'clock, I'm tired. I mean, I I do get up at like three forty five in the morning. So I mean, by seven o'clock, I'm like I gotta I'm propping my eyelids open uh, to finish dinner with my wife and then get ready to go to bed. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, Tuckerman says, good work, LD, on the gun range ordinance. We'll get the full details on that here in a second. Hello. Uh, well. So we got folks on YouTube. We got folks on um, folks on YouTube, folks, uh, folks on Facebook, and folks on Twitch this morning. Feel free, if you would like to involve more Alaskans in the conversation, to share the show. Share the show. Um, and it doesn't look like anybody shared the show today yet. I'm looking for my little special switch here that tells me when somebody shares it. Um, share the show with other Alaskans, share it onto your feed, tell people, Hey, tune into this crazy nutty guy at six o'clock in the morning. He'll, he'll set you straight or he'll irritate the hell out of you. One of the two. Uh, also don't forget to like and follow the show page. Um, on Facebook and to subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. I recommend anybody who's on Facebook to also go find me on YouTube because we have had problems in the past with Facebook where it just doesn't launch or it doesn't give notifications or anything else. And it seems like the notifications off of uh, YouTube are pretty uh, are pretty solid for when we go live. So if you want to do that, uh, feel free to do it. Hit subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube and you'll also get the notifications when we go live. Every morning. 
All right, uh, 10 seconds out. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thicket radio. Let's do it. All right, welcome back to the program. Uh, we're opening up the phone lines now at uh, 907-433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line. Uh, but before we get to your kind of open line, open forum discussion, let's get an update on what was going on out in the Matsu. Now, some of you have been following this, some of you have not, uh, but, but there's been some uh, real consternation among you know, what is really arguably the reddest borough in the state uh, about some of the shenanigans that were going on down at the uh, at the borough assembly. Now, last year, they they voted a bunch of folks out. People started paying attention to what was going on in their own backyard. Hello. Uh, instead of the national politics, and they got a lot of the blue and purple people out of the assembly. And now they had to undo some of the stuff. One of it was a ordinance that was all about. Uh, private gun ranges and public gun ranges, you know, ranges that could be built inside the Matsu. One of the people who were fighting back against this was, well, friend of the show, Donna Anthony, was kind of at the heart of it in a lot of ways. She's working on, I know, getting some gun range stuff put together, but also enthusiast and uh, enthusiast and uh, and gun advocate L.D. Howard was also a part of it as well. And he joins us this morning for a little bit of AAR that's after action review of what took place last night at the borough assembly meeting with, I think, some good news. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing? Good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me on this morning. Well, thanks for coming on. I just I saw some of the posts last night, and uh, you were kind enough to call us up this morning after I got the after I got the good news. So, get, for, first and foremost, can you give us a little bit before we get into what happened last night? Can you tell us just a bit in a thumbnail about this gun ordinance, the gun range ordinance, what it did, and and you know the the challenges it created. Yeah, what it was is it actually started off as when I had the gun store in the Valley in, in Wasilla, we had kind of more of a gun boutique and we'd sell higher-end guns, some really expensive guns like Cabot and STI and uh, a few other ones. And right. some people were wondering if they bought these really expensive guns, where could they shoot it in a kind of a nice calm area? And so um, the gentleman I was partnered up with with the business had 40 acres up, <coughs> excuse me, Government Creek Road. And uh, we'd take one or two people out there, go shooting, and, you know, there's a population of people up there that aren't too friendly or uh, not really Second Amendment fans, if you will. And they got together with the official council and decided they wanted to make it impossible for people to have shooting ranges on their property. Now, we never charged anyone for this range. We never really did much other than pushing berms up and making it safe. But they took it upon themselves to take it to the nth degree and, and, and do a blanket policy that covered, you know, the whole Matsu borough, which is the size of West Virginia and New Hampshire and a few little, little states we want to throw in there. And at that time, you know, you were absolutely correct, Michael. We had a blue majority, somewhat purple, you know, in the, in the assembly. And no matter how hard we fought <clears throat> to, uh, show the public disdain for this ordinance, they just ramrod it through no matter what. I mean, I, I even commented on it last night. 
with uh, the amount of support I had against it when I had that green, I don't know if anyone ever saw the news, with the big green folder full of over 600 comments saying absolutely not, and then there's a red folder that said, you know, maybe 50, 60 comments saying to do it, and still ignored. And so it was incredibly frustrating to watch the public process be thwarted by, by ideologues. Well, wait, 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 LD, you know that once they became elected, an angelic voice, you know, that came down from the heavens and the finger of God came down and touched them and said, you now know better than anyone else how they should run their lives, right? I mean, you know, that's what happens oh, when you get elected. Do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, your your IQ, your IQ uh, skyrockets and your... Uh, your common sense plummets for sure. Yeah, yeah. The empathy, your empathy node just goes just wild, and all of a sudden you know everything. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Right. So you guys fought back pretty hard against this. We changed out a bunch of players in the assembly last year, uh, bringing yep. the majority back to where it needed to be, um, and uh, to kind of match, you know, the the temperament and the and the philosophy of the borough itself. And I think that helped make a difference. So tell us what happened last night. So last night, um, actually, Jesse Sumner and Moki Two uh, are the ones that sponsored this uh, to repeal the ordinance. And then you had uh, Robbie Yunt, Ron Benier, and Dee McKee. And uh, I'll tell you what, you know, I've known Rob for a little while. Robbie Yunt, Assembly Member Yunt, however, however he wants to be addressed, um, for a while. And I, I, he just is so squared away. I am so excited seeing him up there. He actually took it a little bit further last night and announced a couple more bills he wants to put in there, some ordinances he wants to put in there, one being uh, term limits for the Matsu Borough for, uh, so we don't have lifelong politicians in there. We don't have people who get out for one year or two years and come back and right. do it again. And so he also, this is something I said at the very, very first meeting I, when I told them, I said, you know, if, 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 if the borough is so or the assembly is so assured that the people of the Matsu Valley want this ordinance, why not ratify it with the people? Why not put it out on the ballot and say, hey, you know, if, if they want to make it impossible for shooting ranges, put it on the ballot. Well, I'll give you one guess why that never happened. Um, so Rob <laughs> wants to now make it to where anything Second Amendment related, anything including firearms or involving firearms from here to for with, will now have to go to a vote to the people, which I think is an amazing idea. That way, you know, if we get complacent again, and don't pay attention, as you so eloquently put out in the first part of this, that at least the people get to speak up before something like this is jammed on our throats again. So I, yeah. I got to give kudos to, to Rob and, of course, Jesse and Ron and, and Moki and Dee and everyone else that has really kept their promises. Actually, we had we had a lot of these candidates on before the election last year, and we asked them questions and stuff, and all of them got up there and said, yeah, they absolutely repeal this ordinance. And so promises made and promises kept, which is really nice to see from our elected officials. That's good. So last night they repealed the ordinance in its entirety, right? Um, and yep. so it's it's all gone. What kind of resistance did you face? Was this kind of a Was this kind of a rolling wave? Did it kind of roll over them with all the new members, or was there still some hesitancy? <laughs> Actually, this is kind of funny, and this is my wife asked me why I seemed a little upset last night after it was all said and done. And um, you know, I, I I don't mind being right. Actually, I kind of like being right most of the time, especially when the wife is noticing. But um, I told her I said this vote's going to go seven to zero, and she says, "What do you mean?" And I said, "This vote's going to go seven to zero," and she says, "Why would that happen?" I said, "Because." 
Tim Hale and Stephanie Nowers, two people who are all big, and I know Don Anthony called a few of them, or called Stephanie Nowers and talked a few times. I, I called Tim Hale. I, you know, we tried our best to try to sway them and understand that this is not for the borough. I, I think they understood it was going to be a five-two vote, and you know, election year is coming up, <laughs> and so this is something that I need people to pay attention to. I really do. Is that all of a sudden? They're going to probably get out there, pound their chest, saying, see, we repealed that thing. That was ridiculous. <laughs> I really want people to understand this is this. That was so I, I was angry. I guess I shouldn't be angry because we won. And, and, and the amount of people who put so much time, money, effort, I mean, so much into fighting this thing, we won. But to watch that is so frustrating of, of the just the politics and, and, and the BS. And I, I can see it now. I can see the writing on the wall of them pounding their chest saying, see, we repealed this thing and we're not anti-gun and oh, we hunt and we fish and I'm a gun owner and I'm this and I'm that BS. I call BS. And then it's actually worse because now you're an opportunist. And that's right. what we seem to abhor most in politicians is, is this. And so I really encourage people to pay attention to those two. And I know we have uh Brian Endel's going to run against Tim Hale, which I'm really excited about. We need to, we need to, we need to finish what we started last year with our elections and really solidify our place as a red borough and, right. and, and get some more stuff done. And especially like what Rob Young's doing is continuing it forward there instead of continuing it forward instead of saying, Hey, you know what? We got in, we got a few things done. Let's just go to business as usual. I think we need to, we need to take a bunch of those steps forward that we took back instead of just being mediocre. I mean, that's what's really go for the right. gut. So let's get this place squared away. Right. We're talking with L.D. Howard, uh, gun rights advocate, and uh, uh, in, in the Matsu about the borough assembly meeting last night where they repealed the uh, gun range ordinance that had been handicapping people from being able to do things on their own property. Uh, L.D., I think that that's actually what you just outlined is number two. The number one politician's disease is we know better than you. Number two is... Oh, let me read the room. Am I getting reelected? Let me do the popular thing. All of a sudden, it's like they only listen exactly, to it's, it's like they only listen to you uh, at a certain thing. So I would say congratulations to you, to Donna Anthony. I know you were two of the most uh, outspoken uh, opponents of this, and you've been gathering the troops and rallying people around. It wasn't obviously just you, but they needed some leadership, and you guys uh, provided that for sure. Um, but let me let me let me throw this at you for a second. Uh, because you've just yes. lived, you've just lived through this, and and um, you know people who are listening in Fairbanks, or maybe people who are listening down in, I don't know, Anchor Point or Nikiski or Seward or something, are going like, why do I give a crap what's going on in the Matsu? You know, why would I? And this is how I tie it all together. Because as goes some of these different areas, so could your own community go. I watched it happen in Fairbanks. Fairbanks was a fairly red area. The interior was a fairly conservative area. We always had our big slice of blue there with the university and everything else. But when I got on the assembly there, it was pretty evenly split over the court. And I watched over the next five years that, uh, you know, it came down to where it was just me and one other guy who were even really arguably conservative on almost every issue. Um, we were really the only two left when it was all said and done. We watched what happened in the Matsu. We watched the reddest district in the state go blue and purple on the assembly. We see down into the uh, the Kenai Peninsula borough, which is probably the second most conservative district in the state. We've seen what's happened on their borough assemblies and on their city councils. We see this. And it's because we're so, it, this is my opinion, LD, and you can comment on this. 
my opinion is we get so subsumed by what's going on at the national level, so consumed by the national politics of, you know, Orange Man Bad or the Muppet, you know, or the thing or the Kamala or whatever. We get so consumed by all that stuff that we quit paying attention to the things that we can actually affect and have a control on. And that's the lesson that the Matsu has learned now, I think. 100% totally true. You know, that that's 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 the problem is, you know, if anyone paid attention when this first started off, you know, we had a huge outpour of support the very first meeting we had where I threw that uh, kind of protest deal. We had over 678 people on record showing up. We had, that's actually, you know, the, the one pause, let me put a positive spin on all this real quick. The one positive thing, and this is I spoke to this last night, was the amount of friends and and family, I call them family now, that I've made through all this. And these are the relationships and these are the types of connections that will prevent this from happening. You know, the, this, is, this is the groups of people that when you, when you stand against, you know, political tyranny or tyranny period, or you, you stand against ideologues coming into your community and, and uprooting, you know, your core values and who you are, those relationships and, and building those, those friendships and those support will carry you through with longevity. And so I think right. that's something we need to do is get out of our bubbles and get out of this, you know, just locked into our homes and paying attention to our own little world that's a little six-inch or eight-inch thing we put in our pocket or in our hand 24-7. Um, that's, that's what makes a difference. And, you know, i, I got to give props to, you know, this is how I met Don Anthony. You know, this is how now we're like brother and sister, and, and I could go down the list of projects we've done, and I work, I'm the PR and marketing director now for Point Blank Firearms Academy and other ventures and other things that we do now in, you know, Kalani Ross, um, Faith Hamilton. I, I, I mean, there's so many other people is, that were in the background of this, and even Charlie Pierce, um, he really assisted. Even down from the Kenai, he saw it happening there. He helped up here. He called up and gave me all of his uh, Second Amendment sanctuary um, legislation, all stuff that their borough attorney worked on, handed it to me, and that's a lot of what we based off our stuff with. And so right. Charlie has been a huge support with that, so I really appreciate him. Yeah. Um, I can go down the list, but yeah, I, I think the, the one thing too is, is now we can't get comfortable. That's no. what I fear the most. No. I, I saw it as, you know, we go from 600 and some odd plus people on a Friday at noon to show up and it helped. I donated two of my guns as raffles. So I'm pretty sure people came for free guns, but, um, you know, I, I really hope that this fire continues and, you know, I hate to say this. And I, I hope people don't, you know, misunderstand what I'm trying to say right now is, some of the pains that we're going through right now with the economical, political, uh, you name it, I think are good. I think pain is what motivates change. Yeah. And so as people are, you know, watching their heating bills and they're, and trust me, I, I drive a big mega cab Dodge Cummins. I mean, my, my fuel bill is, is insane. Right. It, it is. Yeah. It's crazy. So I feel pain just as much as everyone else, but I hope that we take that pain and that, and as a motivator, as a way to get out of our bubbles, to meet other people, to meet like-minded patriots, to meet like-minded people who just want to get involved and are tired of being acted right. upon and want to stand. And so no, no. I think, you know, I love your show, Michael. I love listening to everything you do. I hope more people get involved. I hope more people see this as a win because we really needed a win. Conservatives right. needed a win. We have been well, devoid of one now for a couple of years. Yeah, it's look, it's a cautionary tale. You guys have you've beat the odds. You've done it. You know, places like Fairbanks are really struggling because they're having a hard time motivating that conservative core base. Uh, Kenai's doing better. 
But again, we need to be looking at this and we need to be looking at what happened in the Matsu as a cautionary tale for every community in the state where, you know, where they're a more conservative base overall for the population and watch what's happening in your local. Turn the TV off. Quit watching what's going on on Fox News on the national level because you can't affect a thing with that. Sure, be informed, you know, know the highlights. That's fine. But pay attention to what's going on in your own backyard because that's the stuff that's going to affect you every day. Um, we're running out of time, LD. I um, uh, appreciate you coming on. Are you guys uh, you guys going to be quickly? Are you going to be doing anything else here in the near future we need to know about? Uh, yeah, we're getting cooking on this range deal. I know Houston pulled up there. Houston pulled support of the range after this all went down. The city of Houston did, and so we're looking at other options. Actually, we're looking up by Sutton. I think if we put one in Sutton, it'll also be close enough for people to drive to without being out of the way, and it help. It hopefully will help curtail the Jonesville area. And so we're looking yeah. for a double whammy there to to go ahead and get a, a a safe shooting range put up somewhere in the Sutton area, and I believe that we might have a little bit of help with uh, Chiglin Tribe with that. They're talking about purchasing an area and and possibly a few other things of that nature. So um, we're looking to get some ranges in quick. We're looking to get some more safe places for people, and and if we can double whammy it, say like with the Jonesville area, then it's a it's a two. Yep. So we're all Absolutely. excited about that. We have other people reach out to us who want to donate time, want to donate heavy equipment, want to donate whatever they can. And to really get it's, this get this taken care yeah, of. Yeah, it's good stuff. LD Howard, hold the line. We're out of time. We gotta go. We'll be back in a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're in the break real quick. LD, I wanted to give you the last bite at the apple. Sorry, man, but I had a hard break there. So, uh, But I wanted to give you the last bite at the apple. Your exhortation, again, I mean, I, I'm happy that this is a win for the 2A community. I'm happy that this is, you know, we, we get gun ranges and we got the, the government off our back being able to do on our private property as long as we're respective of other of our, you know, neighbors and every You know, I, I love all that. But to me, this is... The biggest example of what we need to be changing in the state is paying attention to what's happening at the local level because it can get away from us. I mean, it can get away from you. I mean, the Matsu had a blue assembly. That's astonishing. The KPB has got a blue assembly. The 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 uh, the Fairbanks North Star Borough has got a blue because these people understand that they've got to work their way up from the bottom to get to the you know to the big prominence. But at the same time, we're not paying attention to any of it because we're all sucked into the national bread and circuses drama. Yep. Yep. No, I think the other, thing, the other part of that too is, is, is once you get involved with local politics, it's easy. It's much, much easier to learn the ins and outs, if you will. Um, I, I really would encourage and admonish people that, you know, so everyone thought this is actually kind of comical. Everyone thought I was only a second amendment guy. Trust me. I'm a, I'm a lot of different, uh, a lot of different parts of, of legislation and government kind of guy. And so, it, those who do decide to stand up, those who do, do decide to get really involved with things, don't be so pigeonholed into one champion cause. So, you know, look for other ways to assist others. And, and I think that especially us as conservatives, you know, we have our or we have our two A guys, we have our, our pro-life guys, we have, you know, our property rights guys, we have our freedom of speech guys, and we seem very, very segregated. And that is incredibly frustrating because if you look at the left, they are very good at just a huge blanket, whatever. Oh, sure. They show up and they support each other. Yeah. And, 
you know, we, we find our one cause to die on the hill on, and then we do so, and then we go about our business again, and we feel like we get a win or we get a loss or whatever it is, and either we're, you know, super happy or super disheveled, whatever it may be. Um, I think that as, as other things are coming up and as, as we keep this momentum and as we, as we use the pain that we're going through now to motivate us for real change locally, um, step out of your comfort zone, maybe, maybe get a little more involved with somebody else's cause. And, and again, I, I can't emphasize this enough. Those friendships and those families you build off this will make any of these fights so much easier. And so I, I encourage those that, that seem to come out more for the two A stuff or seem to come out more for the pro-life or, or whatever it may be to cross those, cross those little lines, if you will, and shake some hands and get to know some people because these people do believe as you do. And, and yeah. these people really do want to make change. And trust me, it, it's, it's a downward spiral. Yeah. So we lose one, we're going to lose the next, we're going to lose the next, we're going to lose the next. And if we support each other and we win one, we're going to win the next, we're going to win the next. And then we are going to be in a state, a borough, a city that we love to see and we love to be in. And, and it, 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 it personifies us it really yeah. it, it shows who we are as a community and so that's incredibly important no and uh, and i've often acknowledged the fact that the left the progressive side of the spectrum is very good at the kumbaya communal everybody coming together Absolutely. and because the right is very much made up of rugged individualists we don't always play well with others you know we just that's because we're just <laughs> we're you know we're independent we're you know we're independent minded we want to be left alone and so we have a tendency. It, it, it's a lot harder for us to come together and do those kind of things. And you're right. I'm, I'm a Second Amendment guy, or I'm a property rights guy, or I'm a pro-life guy, or whatever it is. You are all those things. You just need to stop focusing on your one issue and realize what we need is more core conservative values overall. And to do that, we may have to come together and get along a little bit, you know, for a little bit. Absolutely. And, uh, and Absolutely. that's what we need to do. And again, we need to focus on what's going on at home. I mean, I don't think I can say that. I don't think I can say that more strongly. We need to focus on what's going on at home. Stop paying attention to the bread and circuses at the national level, because with the exception of voting, we can do nothing, almost nothing. I mean, we can send our letters or our emails or whatever. But other than that, it has very little effect. What you can affect is what goes on your community councils, your city councils, your borough assemblies and your state legislatures. That's where you make a difference. And you guys just proved it. And I'm super yep. excited to see that. So, LD, thank yep. you, my if friend. I can, one more, yep. one more, one more, real quick thing. I mean, like I said, we we always hear the Debbie Downer stuff, and you know, I'm not I'm not saying it's bad or whatever. It's good to stay informed, but I always try to give a couple more positives for every negative. And so, I don't know if anyone ever had the chance, but Google on YouTube or even YouTube or whatever, look up Jocko Wilnick. He's an amazing, amazing person. He gives a speech called "Good." Yeah, just type in "Good Jocko Wilnick" and and watch that watch that speech. And so I always try to find the good in everything. And so yeah. one of the other really good things is we started a group called Last Frontier here in the Valley. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing group. It's a preparation group. It's a political action group. It's a lot of different things. It's community Actually, it's mainly, excuse me, it's mainly a community service group. But we really helped out with COVID. I can't get into the details of that because of certain things. But I'll just tell you, we helped a lot of people in our community that had, yeah, that had I get- COVID and had issues and well, you know, I, food preparedness and other things like that. We really did a lot of good. I appreciate that, LD. Thank you so much. We got to go, though. Thank you so much for coming on board and joining and sharing with us this morning. I appreciate you being part Thanks, of it. Michael, Thanks, Michael, for everything. Thanks for, for coming everything. on board. Folks, the Michael Duke yes, Show.
All right. Uh, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show. Uh, I'm going to throw the phone lines open, open line, open forum. If you would like to be a part of it this morning and sound off, I'd love to hear from you. We just finished up with LD Howard, gave us kind of an update on what's going on around here. And I, I just, I feel, you know, I'm moved by the spirit to, uh, to continue on this vein for just a moment. Uh, because, you know, look, this is the problem that we're facing in, uh, well, I mean, in Alaska. Look, uh, look at what's going on. Look at what happened as I laid out, you know, peri- you know, places like Fairbanks, which is traditionally pretty conservative. Yes, they've always been slightly purple because they've got a huge contingent of the university there and government workers and everything else. So there's definitely been a, a you know, a blue contingency there. But at its core, Fairbanks is a pretty conservative place overall. And yet look at what's happened on the assembly and on the city council and things like that. You know, look at what uh, look at what happened. Look at what went on down in the city councils on the peninsula. You know, for for I mean, for the love of God, look at what happened inside the municipality of Anchorage with their assembly. We have got we we took our eyes off the ball. We being you know conservatives. You know, libertarian, conservatives, you know, more the leave-me-alone crowd, right? Well, we, we, they left us alone, except they weren't really leaving us alone. We allowed them to leave us alone until they started making laws that affected us. And we've become so consumed by this whole national debate on politics, it really doesn't mean a, a hill of beans. That really we can do nothing over. I mean, we can all send our letters to Senator Murkowski or or Don Young or whatever, or we can vote in the presidential election for our guy or the other guy or the gal or whoever it is, but we really can't make a difference. But in our local communities, in our city councils, in our borough assemblies, in our state legislatures, we can make a difference if we start paying attention to it. And let's face it. The restrictions that you get on those things, the restrictions and the things, the effect on your life from what happens locally is usually felt much more strongly than what happens at the national level. And we've ignored it. For the last 10 years, we've been ignoring it. And now Matsu made a change. They turned it around. Thank the light. That they turned it around. All right, let's uh, let's proceed ahead here. We'll go over to some phone calls to see what you have to say on the Pivotel call-in line at four three three thirty one fifty. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Ron at North Pole. Hello, my friend. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to uh, comment on the fellow uh, that you just had on. Extremely articulate. Uh, well thought out and I would uh, underline what you just said a friend of mine and I that I a co-worker that uh, we used to spend a lot of time just the two of us uh, doing our jobs and we would often say to each other uh, the best we can hope for is to be left alone well the reality is that's not going to happen because right. other folks see themselves on a mission ordained by God himself 
And so we have to stand together or we'll certainly hang separately. No, that's 100 percent true. I mean, government was, you know, the old saying is government is what happens to you when you're not paying attention. Um, and that's exactly what exactly, we're getting. Exactly. Yeah, exactly what we're getting. And you're right. Okay. We want to be left alone. The problem is to be left alone, we're going to have to pay attention to some of this stuff and get involved. And it means, yeah, you're not going to be left alone because you're going to be involved. But overall, it will have it, it will cause you to reap benefits in the future, that's for sure. Ron, thank you for your call. I appreciate right, it. That's... Have a good day. You bet. Let's uh, go over here to the next caller here and see what uh, they have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Mike. Jeff, I'm Homer. Hello, Jeff. I'm down on the spit this morning. Yeah, I was hearing you talk about the uh, the uh, gun background checks in the uh, uh, the PFD. The, the PFD with Bert Stedman, he just wants to save that, all right, people, if you're listening, so that later on down the road, when nobody's looking, he can just peel that off, just like he did before. It's an election coming up. Come on. Take a good look at this. Add up two and two. You'll get four every time. He's just going through this again to save some money to spend later. That's basically what it boils down to. What we need to do is take rhinos like him and send them back to Africa or someplace. All right? Would be my idea. You know, put them to pasture. Whatever you got to do, but get rid of him, one way or another. And anybody like him. All right? And then on the background checks, I feel that that's redundancy. This what's a background check for? To stop felons from buying a gun? If the United States of America FBI background check is not doing a good job. Take that money, put it into doing a better job so they don't need to create a big mess and start investigating people they don't need to investigate. Right. But that seems to be the Biden administration's prime directive. Right. I must say. No, I mean that's and the thing. When you now get that we go to that, you know. When you get one in a hundred you get one in a hundred that are denials, one check in a hundred that are denials, but it turns out that nine out of ten of those denials are through false information. You've got something fundamentally broken in the system. You should do that instead of, I mean, how much is it going to cost to investigate? I mean, okay, they did 2 million, what did they do? Uh, 20 million background, 19 million background checks last year. So if, uh, if you know, 1% of those, so you've got 190,000 background checks that were denied. Out of those, 90% were false denials. How much is it going to cost to create an investigation on 190,000 people? I mean, you know, or even well, 170 if the, if the, you know, the, I mean, how much money is going to be, how much time, how much fear are people going to be, you know, put through by being investigated by the FBI and the ATF for just simply trying to exercise their right and when it wasn't even their fault that something was broken? Exactly. And, and, you know, it's it's what I call government exploding by stupidity. Uh, you know, let's let's not have any prime directives or let's not try to fix anything. Let's just create another entity that's going to try to fix something that's going to fight with yeah. the other entity that's already doing it. So you're just creating a great big pork project, which doesn't work. It's no good. Go back and do your background checks right. You know, put more people in there to do the background checks if you need to. That's yeah. all they need to well, do. They this... don't need to harass the people. This and, is... And, this is always way, this has always been the problem, right? I mean, this is the same thing like on the gun laws. What we really need is one more law. Well, wait, they're criminals. They break the law. That's the, I mean, that's why we call them criminals is because they break the law. 
Yeah, but one more law will fix it. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly how it's going to work. Jeff, thank you for your call. We're up against the break. Edie Grunwald is up next. Candidate for Lieutenant Governor. She's going to be joining us and talking about her run with Charlie Pierce. That is directly ahead, The Michael Duke Show. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. We'll be back with more right after this. All right. We're going to be calling Edie Grunewald here in just a second. Getting uh, getting her take on everything that's happening in the state. So we're going to call her in just a minute. Meanwhile, let me go back into the chat room here and see what else you guys have to say. Laura says, uh, our... Our leave-us-alone attitude inclines us to leave others alone and do our own thing. Paying attention is important, and that's the problem. We want to be left alone, therefore we leave others alone, and therefore we're really sometimes not paying attention. And that has detrimental effects to us. Yes, we want to be left alone, but we have to jealously guard that. We have to jealously guard and, and, and make sure that our attitude is not just leave us alone and we'll leave others alone. We have to jealously guard the uh, the attention that we give to things like this where they don't want to leave us alone. They want you to pay property taxes and, uh, you know, they want you to pay property taxes on your property, but they don't want to allow you to do what you need to do on your property, right? I mean, if I have dug the berms and done everything I can to make it safe and everything else, then it's really nobody's business what I do on my property as long as I'm not polluting theirs or making it dangerous for them or anything else that's exactly how it should be but you're right it it really is our leave us alone attitude is really kind of an achilles heel for us on the more conservative side because when we you know it, it it inclines us to leave others alone but remember government is what happens to you when you're not paying attention Brian says the official community council meeting tomorrow night should be very interesting. <laughs> it was the official community council that brought up this whole ordinance to begin with. Yeah, I don't know that it that should be a that should be a fun time uh, tomorrow for sure. Tuckerman Babcock's in the chat room. He also says Matsu also moved their elections from October to November. Higher turnout, better results. I mean, we should just standardize this, shouldn't we? I mean, I've been making this argument here about in the city of Anchorage uh, down there. They, you know, they've got their elections in April, right? They're sending out ballots now. And uh, they complained about low voter turn. Well, I mean, your, your elections are in April. People are not in election. You know, make it so that it's the same as it is everywhere else. At least up in the Fairbanks, North Star Borough, I mean, at least they have their municipal elections you know, in October, and then they have the the national. So at least you're geared up and in election mode at that point. But to have it, you know, halfway around the calendar from where everybody else is, that's crazy stuff. Mayor Charlie Pierce actually in the chat room as well. He says, pay attention, it's happening here too. And that's when we were talking about the uh, 
you know, how assemblies and how councils were going, you know, more blue than red. I mean, especially in red areas. I mean, I could never understand that. How in the world a place like, for example, the Kenai Peninsula, arguably probably the number two most conservative place in the state, uh, you know, behind the Matsu, how in the world could their city councils be so blue, be so progressive, be so, you know, but as LD said, it's because we just weren't we just weren't uh, paying attention. So, definitely a uh, definitely a frustrating uh, thing to watch. But it's good to see that the Matsu was able to uh, was you know was able to overcome that, make their changes, and uh, and pull things back from the from the brink, so to speak. All right, let me get uh, Edie Grunewald up on the uh, program right now. See if we can get her on the phone, and we'll see what we can uh, make happen. We're sorry. Well, it is not necessary to dial a one. It's not necessary. I can't tell anymore what's necessary and what's not when I'm dialing these damn phone numbers. Now that it's plus nine oh seven to everything, so. Let's see what we can come up with here. Let's try this one more time. See if we can get her on the phone. Phone going to ring anytime soon here. Hi, sorry I missed your call, but if you leave me a message. Uh-oh. Edie's not answering the phone. Let's try this again. We'll try and get uh, we'll try and get this squared away. Uh, don't forget to like and share this video. Don't forget to like and follow the show page as well. And, of course, don't forget to check us out on the Common Sense Core, where you get a chance to, you know, support the show, get access to the private Facebook group, and just uh, get a chance for us all to enjoy our time together uh, in private there with all the other supporters of the show. So we're excited to hear that. Uh, good morning. How are you this morning? Good. How are you? Doing good. I was in a panic mode there because I couldn't, like, dog on this dial 907 on everything now really confuses me sometimes. So, yep. uh, you all ready to go? Sure. Okay, good. We'll hold the line. It's just you, me, and 70 of our closest friends on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, but we're Sounds great. Thank but, you. But we're about to rejoin the radio, so hold the line and we'll be right back to you. Edie Grunwald, our guest here on The Michael Duke Show. Uh, again, like, share, follow. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on uh, on uh, YouTube and then ring the bell to make sure that you get all that done. And uh, we will pick things up here with Edie in just a hot second. You ready? Let's do hour two. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. 
Welcome to the party, pal. Michael Duke's show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Streaming live around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Welcome back to the program. We are diving into it now. Hour two, we finished up. We had a good conversation with L.D. Howard in the last uh, hour talking about things going on in the Matsu and you know, part of that problem of not paying attention to what's going on and things that we can change. One of the things we can change is we could change out our elected officials here in the state. And, of course, we've got our big election coming up here in uh, this year in November. It's going to be, ooh, it's going to be a doozy. Ranked choice voting, jungle primary, et cetera, et cetera. There's been a slew of candidates who have come out uh, on the trail here for governor. And uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing here. Charlie Pierce, uh, Kenai Peninsula Borough Mayor, is running for governor. And because of the new change to the voting system, all the gubernatorial candidates have to pick their own running mate. So you run as a combo. You don't just, you know, it's not just a you vote for a lieutenant governor and then you vote for a different governor. Nope, they're all tied together. Well, Charlie made a choice. Edie Grunewald, you know her. Uh, she's been around. Uh, she's been around for a bit, and she has got quite an impressive resume. Uh, she was a candidate for lieutenant governor back in 2018, just narrowly being defeated by Kevin Meyer. She's the former chair of the Alaska Parole Board. She served 31 years in the Air Force and retired at the rank of colonel. Uh, she's got a master's degree in business. And, uh, I mean, just this is a candidate that I'm excited about uh, to be uh, to be put together with Charlie Pierce. Definitely a uh, what I think of as a home run ticket. Uh, Edie Grunewald joins us this morning to discuss her candidacy for lieutenant governor. Good morning, Edie. How are you? I'm um, um- Wonderful. Thank you. And good morning, Michael Dukes and all of Michael Dukes' closest friends on Facebook and YouTube. That's right. we got a bunch of people out there. I mean, they people who are listening on the radio, they just don't know all the fun stuff that goes on during the commercial breaks with all the folks in, the, in Facebook and YouTube. So it's, it's, good, it's good to know. Edie, thanks for coming on. Now, you know, i gotta got to be honest, uh, your name was not on the list of people that I was kind of ringing up in my head to run for lieutenant governor uh, when Charlie teased the announcement that he was going to make. Um, but I was so glad to see that you were uh, you were the one that was picked. Um, talk us through that process. I mean, was this a long thing? Was it a short, you know, was it, uh, did you get a, like a short notice and have to make a decision? Walk us through how that worked out for you. Thank you for the question. And it was actually pretty interesting because uh, I've had so many people ask me if I was going to run again, if I would run again, and it was just an adamant no. And then I had a moment of clarity. Uh, Mayor Pierce had uh, reached out a few times, and I was no, 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 no. And it was just personal, nothing against anybody or anything. And then, like I said, I had a moment of clarity, and um I thought, well, let me at least ask a few questions, and I asked a few questions, and we met with him, and bam! <laughs> right. And 
We're on board. I mean, I'm just so excited because he wants this to be, uh, you know, this uh, running mate thing could really be end up being something great because we we could. I believe we're going to make a great team uh, and just get a lot of things done. I just I was just really impressed with everything that um, he said, the energy, the excitement of his uh, campaign. You know, and he's proven himself. He's accomplished. He's a right. two-time mayor of the Kenai. So, yeah, I think the, I think we're going to be able to make a great team and, and get a lot of things done. I, I love the Alaskans first and the um, – Results, not rhetoric. Don't you agree with that? Well, no. I mean, I think that was – I was just going to say that. I mean, look, um, you know, results, not rhetoric seems to be – and I was impressed when I talked to Charlie here uh, a couple weeks ago when we had him on the program. Uh, this idea of – you know, I said because, you know, it's very easy for candidates to make promises on the campaign trail. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, uh, we saw it during the Dunleavy. We're going to get you your PFD. We're going to do this. And then we saw some flip-flopping, a little wishy-washiness. And I understand that there's political realities to do with and everything else, but if you made a promise, you got to try and stand with it, and everything you should do should be behind something like that. And Charlie, uh, I mean, I have to admire him. I wish he would come out and say, you know, I'm going to fight for the PFD and do everything I can to get a full PFD. But I think he was more realistic in saying, I will, you know, I support the the statutory PFD or paying a PFD as the law is written, uh, but not arguing that somehow he is going to miraculously walk in there with his magic wand. And make it happen. And I think that's the biggest difference that I've seen so far amongst the various candidates um, is that, uh, you know, look, I, I don't want to promise something I can't deliver kind of thing. And that was essentially what Charlie, uh, I mean, in not so many words, kind of said to us, look, I'm not going to promise something I can't deliver. I'm going to fight for it. But it takes, you know, it takes 60 plus plus the governor. It takes 60 plus the governor to make anything happen. And it's not like he can go down there and crack skulls until something goes on. Right. Right, and he really wants to to work with um, all Alaskans versus only Republicans or only Democrats or only Independents and so forth. So that's pretty exciting too. Yeah, no, I I'm uh, I am excited about this. Now, uh, you know, you bring uh, you bring a lot of uh, potential to this uh, to this position. Now, the lieutenant governor is kind of a you know, it's not a symbolic position. Obviously, you you head the division of elections, but I know Charlie's got some other projects that he wants you to work on as well as lieutenant governor. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure, and that's one of the things that really attracted me is uh, wanting to pull me on board and share some of the executive duties with me. And again, that aligns with my Alaskans' first belief. Uh, so the expansion of the lieutenant governor duties. I mean, I'm sure everybody has thought about this. Uh, it, I've, it's long overdue, and I think it's a wonderful commitment for um, Charlie Pierce to work with me to fulfill our promise, you know, of putting Alaskans first. But this is the, the, the issues that we've agreed on so far. Oversight of the Department of Veterans and Military Affairs and oversight of the seniors programs and issues, uh, you know, in the Department of Human Services and special needs. And, and I like this because I can influence and affect issues. And I have to tell you, I'm hoping to be able to, uh, and I'm sure that he'll allow me once he realizes that, um, that I, that I have a big capacity as well is, you know, look into the OCS um, influence and be a part of the education, even the judicial system and uh, even economics. So what do you think of that? I mean, I like all that. I mean, I like all that, you know, I mean, the Lieutenant, like I said, the Lieutenant governor's position is, 
I wouldn't say has been a figurehead. I mean, like, well, they hold the seal of this state and they oversee the division of elections. Meanwhile, they're back in the corner just sitting there waiting for the next thing to pop up. I mean, this is a team effort. I mean, this new election system that we have now forces a governor to choose a lieutenant governor candidate to run with them. And so I see that as more, you know, I, I actually see that kind of as a positive because before it could be one vision from the governor who's elected and another vision from the lieutenant governor was elected. Maybe they're at opposing, you know, maybe they're at opposing viewpoints on something. And that makes it kind of more difficult. It's nice to see where a governor can choose their running mate and form that team and that coalition and kind of that group mind between the two of them of what they want to accomplish. And and I think that that's I think that's important to know who's in your corner before everything gets started. Yep, I agree. I want to know what, I mean, as as a lieutenant governor, you're obviously going to be taking care of, uh, you know, if, if it all turns out, you're going to be taking care of all the things you just talked about, military and veterans affairs, the pioneer homes and everything, which I think in some ways have kind of been not neglected, but maybe they just haven't had as much oversight as they've needed in the past. And I think that would be a good thing. What else? Yeah, are you, I, go ahead. Yeah, well, I just think the senior programs have been... Um, they're just taken for granted, and uh, we need to really bring the needs of the of the seniors, um, you know, make them a priority, and because this is where they've retired, you know, they've been part of who made Alaska and what they are today, and uh, and it's kind of really dear to my heart because, you know, I have um, we all have parents and grandparents and friends that are in that category, and there's just a lot of things that need need to be addressed. Um, and, and go ahead with the rest of your question. Well, I was just going to say, what else are you going to be bringing to this uh, to this arrangement, to this uh, you know, to this team? What what are you going to be working on? What would you know when you when you have Charlie in his office in the wee hours of the night, uh, talking and strategizing? What are the things that E. Grunwald is going to be working towards uh, and trying to uh, help uh, Governor Charlie Pierce do uh, in uh, in the coming years? Okay. Um, I think that, uh, I'm going to, he's going to have an open door policy and not only will I have access to him, the people will too. And, uh, he pushes to get things done. And I've worked with all kinds of, um, higher officials, supported them, worked with them, give them all kinds. I'd love doing research and getting as much information as possible so that people can make uh, the best decision that they can and work for the best decision. And uh, I think that um, because he does push to get things done, and I don't know about you, but I think I would rather work with somebody that's competent and, uh, you know, versus nice, even though Charlie's nice. And I've seen so far that he's valued professional relationships really high, which I value professional relationships at all. I mean, um, a whole lot as well. Um, you know, it's really high up there because that's something that we practice, you know, in the military is professional relationships. But um, I just think that I'm going to bring um, the ability to get things done as well. That's kind of been my mantra the whole thing, you know, the whole time is like get her done and uh, just work with people to uh, massage it, um, uh, bring bring some people in that have the ideas, the capabilities. And like Charlie said, he likes surrounding his people, I mean, himself around people that are competent and right. have the ability, you know, to be successful. And I love that. Right. Well, having a team is definitely important, and especially having a team, like I said earlier, that's all on the same sheet of paper is uh, even more 
important uh, as well. I want to talk for a minute here. I've only got a, a I guess, okay. uh, I, I want to, we've got to come up to a commercial break here in just a second. Um, but I do want to spend a little bit of time on the other side of the commercial break uh, talking a bit about the division of elections because we've heard a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Senator Shower has been trying to get some information on some audits that were done. We'll, we could talk about that. Uh, but I guess before we go, since we got a little short period of time here before the break, um, what are your priorities uh, as lieutenant governor? I mean, obviously you'll be taking on some new roles, but as you look at this and you see what's going on, what are your priorities as lieutenant governor? Well, we've already agreed that the number one first priority going in, into this would be election integrity, um, cleaning up the voter rolls. Uh, he was saying we need to get that done the first two weeks, and I kind of gave him the look, and he says, okay, four weeks. Because <laughs> we have a lot of deceased uh, names on there. We've got multiples at addresses, and it could be uh, you know, how the systems either do communicate or don't communicate uh, that have resolved in that. But there's actually more people on on the on the rolls than there are Alaska voters. And so clean those rolls up and uh, also get accountability of um, the the minion machines and um, take a look at the secure process, um, you know, do those things that um, that would actually fulfill, you know, the elections, Division of Elections mission statement and really build up the, the confidence and the faith that people have that their vote really counts. And it's it's not voided or uh, by somebody or it's not um because like some people, they sign their that mail-in ballot, and it, or they got several in the mail at the same at the same place with different names on it. Um, right. All that needs to be cleaned up. And I know your next question is, what what do I think about the mail-in ballots? Right. Right. <laughs> well, we'll get into that on the other side for sure. But I definitely okay. want to. I, I know that that's going to be a top priority, and and we can get down into the weeds on that here in just a second. Edie Grunwald is our guest, candidate for lieutenant governor, running with uh, Borough Mayor Charlie Pierce in the upcoming election this November. We're going to continue with her here in just a second, but we've got to uh, we got to pay some bills. That's how it works around here. We're going to uh, be back with more and Edie Grunwald. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. We'll return with more. Right after this. It's the Michael Dukes Show. Why not take a quick break? Be right back. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the uh, we're in the break right now. Edie Grunwald's our guest. I see we got some softball questions in the uh, <laughs> in the chat room. What does Edie do for fun? Regular life stuff. There's a there's a softball question. I'll throw at you, Edie. What do you do for fun? That's an awesome question because in the in the whole time I was in the Air Force and working super hard in in the um, Alaska Air National Guard. I was active duty in in the Alaska Air National Guard. People would say, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do for fun? And I only said, what hobbies? What's fun? (laughs) All I did was work, (laughs) take care of kids, family, you know, shop, go to uh, doctor appointments and all that. So now I have bees for honey during the summer. I have a garden. 
I have a, I even got a dog this past year. Um, what else? I have chickens. Wow. And I, I like doing, trying my hand at different art. Um, I really like fused glass projects. And I tried pottery, but I am not a pottery person, so I'm glad I tried it. <laughs> well, that's fun. So, I know it's yeah. it's hard when we're busy to, uh, yeah, what's, uh, I mean, <clears throat> I've got hobbies, but it seems like half the time if I've got downtime, I'm sitting down on the couch just talking to my wife and enjoying a little peace and quiet for a few minutes. I know, uh, that's important, I know what that can be like for sure. Um, the other thing is somebody asked, now you were in the Air Force for 30, uh, 31 years, retired as a colonel, again, spent some time active duty in the Guard as well. Uh, what was your, what, what, what was your, what did you do? What did you start, how'd you start off in the military? What did you do in the military? I actually, before I went into the Air Force, I attended gunsmithing school in Colorado. And, um, when I fit while I was there, I fell in love with the machine shop. And so I thought, I, I want to just, I want to teach machine shop, go into Votech the rest of my life. But, okay, how am I going to make that happen? So I thought, okay, I'll join the Air Force. I'll be a machinist and then take it from there. So I joined the Air Force and, you know, thinking it was like any other job that you would apply for. I wrote down I want to be an aircraft machinist and I want to go to Alaska. And I got my first choice job and my first choice assignment and then uh, loved it. Six and a half years, and I just realized that a lot of my goals were kind of outside my job. And uh, I had been taking college classes the whole time, and so I'd earned my bachelor's degree and then started on my master's, and then I earned my commission. And I got um, a position with the Alaska International Guard up at Ielsen when they opened up that base, you know, opened up the unit up there. And, um, and then I got assigned down here at um, when it was Fort Richardson before it became J Bear at the headquarters working for the for the general as a special projects officer. So I was exposed to a lot of the um, high level decision making and met a lot of good people. And then I went out to Coolis Air National Guard Base as um, a logistics uh, planner, um, war planner, and also you know uh, for personnel and supplies. And then I became a commander of um, logistics squadron there. It was amazing. Did that for several years. And then I got accepted in the Air War College where I went and got my, my second master's degree in um, international uh, strategy. Nice. So, so you've got a yeah. you've got a little bit of the worldview in you then when it's all said and done. You the 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 strategy of what's going on in the world plus the logistics of how to make it all happen. That's kind of a that's kind of a cool uh, combination it, there. It, it really is a cool combination. And because I've always was interested in, uh, you know, the Vietnam War and, and all of that, when we got to choose the different places to go to while at Air War College, I chose Vietnam, Cambodia, and Thailand. And so we got to actually go there and be um, diplomats for um, – a couple of weeks. That nice. was an amazing experience. <laughs> and then I came back to Alaska and um, I was in what they call a mission support group before getting um, assigned up at the um, human resources office. Wow. So. Well, you've been a little bit of everything starting out in a machine shop and ending up there. That's quite a journey. All right. Well, hold the line for a second, Edie. We're about to jump back into it. We're going to dive right into the election stuff. And we'll talk with that. Edie Grunwald is our guest. Please like and share this video. If you would share 
uh, and uh, like and follow the show page as well as subscribing and ringing the bell on YouTube. Let's get back to it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right. Uh, welcome back to the program. We're continuing now with Edie Grunwald, candidate for lieutenant governor, running with governor or with Mayor Charlie Pierce. Um, that's part of the new deal with this new ballot measure number two election thing is that they gubernatorial candidates have to pick their running mate and run as a team, which I think is great. We just uh, during the break, we were getting a little bit of Edie's background, starting out as a machinist in the Air Force and ending up in the war college. <laughs> Uh, with international strategy and strategic and logistics and everything else. It's quite a, it's quite a story, uh, definitely interesting one. You can go back and listen to it on the podcast if you missed it. But I want to get back into the state stuff now, Edie, and talk about this elections, uh, division of elections thing. You, you talked about cleaning up the voter rolls, getting things done. Now, first and foremost, he said two weeks to get the voter rolls cleaned up. And then he said, oh, no, no, he looked at, took your look and said four I think that it even four may be a little ambitious based on the number of people that I hear that uh, could be on the rolls and things like that. Is I mean, is it something you think you can really get turned around that fast, that quick? Well, well, what I'm concerned about is the the process that would be required to do it, and I think that that would be what we would have to take into account. Uh, there might be a little. I'm thinking too. I agree with you. It's going to be a little bit more involved than than what we think. Um, otherwise, you would think that it would have been done, right? Hopefully. Right. Oh, you think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, maybe it is that easy, but uh, we'll have to find out. I think that some things may need to change or get, uh, either whether it's policies or work on with the legislators on some law changes. But, I mean, uh, I think that it's going to, we're just going to have to, Dig in and make it happen. Look at it and get some right people to help us out to, that know a lot of the ins and outs of it and make it happen. I mean, right. it's just, it's just, it has to. Right. Um, so one of the things we've been talking about, Senator Showers, a weekly guest on the program, and uh, we've been discussing with him this audit that came out of the OMB uh, when Kelly Shubaka was there. Uh, there was a, an audit and a report that was put together, and he's been fighting to get a copy of the report um, to you know make the necessary changes uh, that need to be done. He's got an election bill coming up. We've talked about a little bit about you know the mail-in ballots and ballot security, the chain of custody, and all these other things. What are your thoughts on you know the mail-ins, the chains of custody, the changes? Have you heard or seen or, or uh, you know been informed of anything that's going on with this report? Give us your your take on all that. I don't I don't have any um, I don't even have a hint of what's in the report. Uh, I know one of the things that um, Charlie Pierce's team is really concerned about is um, the redacted report. And he wants to make sure that um, that it's all transparent and that the people can see exactly what to expect and excuse me one second and what's going on. So you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Thanks. 
Um, well, I mean, I uh, give me your thoughts here on the uh, on the mail in ballot. Then, I mean, I know that many places are, you know, especially with COVID, that was a big thing in Anchorage. They moved to pretty much an exclusively mail in ballot. There's been a lot of concerns about uh, you know security. I mean, I've walked into post offices in Anchorage to see empty ballots laying around on the discard table, you know, where people sort their mail. Um, and I get a little worried about that myself. What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, a mail-in ballot system? Is that something you think is the future or is it something that should just be ancillary? Uh, is it something that we should be concerned about as citizens? Uh, I do think we need to be concerned about it. And I like the word that you use, ancillary. Uh, you know, maybe as a backup, um, a manual backup. But the thing about it is, is I'm not really uh, too keen on it. I'm not really a supporter of the mail-in ballots. I mean, heck yeah, it's convenient. But there's a, a situation like you just described with the, you know, uh, chain of custody, and um, or is your is your vote really counted? There's really no guarantee. There's no secure no real secure process that's that's there to to make sure and uh, you know there may be some other options out there that that could work out um and you know I've thought about a few things without overloading the mail system per se and I mean maybe there would even be like we do uh, um just brainstorming here like with the PFDs and other things that we do uh online possibly uh but then you have to you know, make sure that whatever secure security processes are to make sure they're not hacked and especially don't have any foreign players in there and, and so forth. I mean, there's just a, a seemingly a, a whole lot involved and, um, and we need to make sure that uh, we have IDs. That's pretty important. You know, ver- verification of citizenship, um, identification for the voter assistance and, um, Election litigation process procedures, I think we need to work on, and um, restriction of uh, same-day registration, and I think uh, vote harvesting and trafficking restrictions, we need to look at that and um, make that more secure and uh, have a better management of the absentee ballot um, process. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, and of course, right up the there at the top of my list is accuracy of the the, the voter list, um, and I think that uh, we need to look at this automatic registration. And um, with the PFD, with, you're talking about with the PFD applications, where they automatically register you to yeah, vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the intent was good. I mean, a lot of people. Most people usually have good intent when they do things, but as we know, there's a lot of unintended consequences. Sure. So, I have a question. What do you think of right now with APOC, with this um, litigation that happened where there's no uh, limit on personal um, donations to candidates? <laughs> well, I mean, that's actually a question for you. I mean, I'm, uh, I guess I'm a little cons- I'm torn. I mean, as a guy who loves free speech, I love free speech, and I think it's important. Um, I hated seeing people, you know, not being able to support their candidates, you know, using their form of free speech to give money or time to candidates uh, or only up to a certain amount. Yet at the same time, I'm worried. I mean, we saw what happened with ballot measure number two. Uh, You know, they poured money into this state so much that 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 thing actually passed. 
uh, you know, all the time decrying dark money. Oh, will this will get dark money out of the state while being almost 100% funded by dark money? Seven million dollars in out of state money's coming in. I'm a, you know, I'm a little concerned about it, um, and I don't know if the legislature is going to do anything about it or not. But it it will make a change for this election, that's for sure. Uh, if nothing, if the legislature does nothing. Uh, I fully expect that it will it will we'll see some changes in this this election cycle because there will be plenty of big monies that are coming into different campaigns and uh, it could make a difference in who gets elected. Yeah, it's kind of scary. I uh, yeah. yeah, I I think I mean, have you guys had much of a discussion about this amongst yourselves? Uh, no, not really. I did listen to your your show the other day when you were, you were talking about it, making some really good points, and and I did some reading up on some things where you know, especially with that last uh, uh, election that we had when we saw all that money come in and supporting certain couple of candidates, and just thank goodness that Alaskans are smart enough to know that you know they voted um, you know the the, the best candidate in. And, despite that right but i mean sometimes there's so much mis- misinformation put out that people just don't know what to believe well and we've seen in the in the past where sometimes a lot of money doesn't make a difference i mean I, i'm still reminded of the uh, 1999 vote the raid on the permanent fund in 99 when the pro raid people spent something like six million dollars i think uh trying to convince the people of alaska that this is the best thing for them and the anti-side uh, was only able to locally wrangle about $600,000, and yet they still prevailed, 83%. So when the people are involved, it you know, uh, I think that we can trust the people uh, in some of those ways, but people have got to get informed. We need more people to be engaged in the process, that's for sure. Engaged and informed and actually do something, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I think that that's important overall. All right, well, we're coming down here to the last three or four minutes, Edie. Um, you know, I guess we could go back to uh, one more thing that, uh, you know, that, that you think uh, is important. We did talk a little bit about the Pioneer Homes and the Veterans Affairs uh, oversight that uh, Charlie has proposed for the lieutenant governor's office to take over. Tell me about uh, the Veterans Affairs components. We've already talked a little bit about the Pioneer Home but let's talk about the Veterans Affairs component. What uh, you know? What would you see as your duty there, and what would you be looking for and looking out for in that uh, in that department? I think uh, I think more or less in that department, they they're extremely efficient and they got some um, great leadership and doing a lot of great things. Um, it, it'll be fun to get back involved and um, find out you know what exactly is going on for especially with a lot of these different things that um, internationally that that's happening and the uh, National Guard's role along with the, the Joint Forces role. And I think it would be important for the governor to be aware and up-to-date and, you know, for the protection and security of Alaskans in this state, um, especially how geographically strategic Alaska is. And uh, Right. Pretty much um, keep the the governor informed. Give him recommendations on, uh, you know, what might be the the best way to go with certain things. And um, I'm I'm not going to be the the only influencer or right um, provide guidance, but at least it'd be more so so that uh, in my book, 
best decisions for Alaskans can can be made. Well, and this is so, where your background in logistics yes. and personnel and HR and everything else uh, could come into play. Uh, right. So I'm, I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of excited to see what can happen in that. Down to the last two minutes here, Edie Grunwald. I want to give you the floor, and uh, this is where I tell people that they can. Give us their elevator pitch for why they should be elected. And, of course, you're running on the combo ticket, so it's not just you. It's Charlie as well. But uh, give us your elevator pitch here for why Charlie and Edie would make the best team to go on and lead Alaska into the future. Well, I have to tell you, uh, Michael Dukes, that um, I think that this whole interview uh, shows that. Uh, So instead of an elevator pitch, now, you know, I didn't think about this before, but... uh, Campaigns do are costly, and um, you know if people really want to support Team Pierce, you know please go to charliepierceforgovernor.com, you know and and um, help us out. If you want to volunteer, sign up. Uh, we can, you know, we have a lot of people that are excited and going to cross, and it just takes like like we talked about. It does take money. But more than that, um, we're grassroots, and I've always been grassroots. I think that's part of uh, why why people like me. I hope, <laughs> and because um, I'm there for you know everybody. Um, right. And uh, it's just going to take a, a lot of effort to to get the information out to people on who we are and what we want to help do for um, Alaskans because. Uh, Mayor Charlie Pierce is right on with Alaskans first and results, not rhetoric. So yeah, and this is yeah, this is a race, as you said, this is a race that's definitely going to take some money. Um, and uh, Charlie's, uh, you know, he's a little behind the power curve here on timing and everything. So anybody that would support your ideas and his ideas, uh, they can go out to your website, right? CharliePierceForGovernor.com. They can donate. They can get time. They get materials. But, you know, get a yard sign, do whatever, get a bumper sticker or how, whatever else you guys got out there. You got it. And just show your support for what you guys are doing. And be sure to vote in the primary on August 16th. August yeah. 16th. <laughs> yep. Because, again, jungle primary, which means the top four vote getters in the – that everybody is on the ticket, everybody is on the, the ballot, and the top four vote getters then proceed to the ranked choice voting at the other end of the scale. So uh, – right. I'm excited to see what you guys can bring to this. Uh, I fully support you. I think Charlie would make an excellent governor, and uh, I am looking forward to, again, some of the changes he's talked about bringing about into your office and giving you a little bit more to do. But I'm really excited to see the potential that you guys are committed to cleaning up the voter rolls and making some of those changes in the division of elections that I think have been needed for many, many years. So. I'm excited about it. I'm excited well, right now. Yep, and thank you very much, uh, Michael Dukes, for inviting me. And just remember that at the primary is only one vote, one person. Right. The only time you get to do the rank is at the general. Yep, we're constantly hitting that around here because people <laughs> okay. people don't understand. You know, I mean, I think uh, you know th- th- this is going to be the challenge. Speaking of divisions of elections, this is going to be the challenge. Uh, in the future is explaining to average Alaskans who maybe not are not paying attention to this as closely that this is what's happening, that the ranked choice only occurs in the general, but that the primary is an open primary, jungle primary with everybody on the ballot. It's going to be confusing. I mean, it really is. It's going to be a hot mess. Um, but uh, we hope that it's all going to uh, 
turn out in our favor. Let's just say that maybe the ranked choice thing will turn out in our favor this time, and uh, we'll see what we think of it. I think it will. I think that we have enough Republicans running that um, we can get the top four. So let's make it happen. All right. Edie Grunewald, uh, candidate for lieutenant governor with Charlie Pierce. You can find out more about her. You can donate. You can do everything else at charliepierceforgovernor.com. Edie, thanks for coming on board today and talking with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, and I guess that's it. That's it for uh, this segment. we got one more segment. We'll take phone calls. We'll see what you have to say. We'll do all that other stuff. Don't forget, you can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. You can go out to YouTube. You can go on Twitch. You can catch the podcast later. Or you can stay right here on the radio. We'll be back with more. Your phone calls on the Pivotel call-in line up next. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, we're in the break. I think, Edie, are you still on the line, Edie? Yes, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I just uh, wanted to say thank you again, and uh, if there's anything else that we didn't mention, I'll give you the chance to mention it now. Um, you covered a whole lot, so um, if there's any questions. I don't see any questions in the chat room right now. Let me scroll back a little bit here in case I missed anything. Um. Uh, some people commenting on the uh, on the con- campaign contributions. Uh, they want to stop the individual from donating whatever amount they want, but it leaves a special interest unions open to unlimited donations. So that is one of the positives: is that uh, this allows anybody to donate as much as they want. Um, let's see. Uh, in other words, Putin should be scared with Edie alongside Charlie. <laughs> there you go. You're bringing all that stuff to the. Uh, you're bringing all that stuff to the to the channel. That's great. I love it. Um, yeah. I do have my. Um, I earned my badge for uh, being an expert shooter in the military too. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Bring it on. I know. I saw something that one of the Russian plutocrats or whatever was saying that now they want Alaska back or or something or repar- yeah. you know. And I'm like, good luck with that. Let me know how that works out for you. You think Ukraine's bad. Come on over. You'll see exactly how bad it is over here. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, most people here have are pretty well armed. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think it would be nearly as – the fact that we have more veterans per capita than any other state in the nation probably would also teach them something as well. Um, yeah, and I do want to give kudos to Donna Anthony and um, L.D. Howard for working out here in the Matsu – on um, getting rid of that uh, ban on um, uh, firing ranges, you know, right. gun ranges. Yeah. And and next thing I know that they're going to be working on is becoming a sanctuary city like uh, the Kenai has. And Donna's gotten the um, template from um, Charlie Pierce. Isn't that cool? Yeah. No, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, somebody said, can you elaborate – on seniors, I guess talking about the Pioneer Home and overseeing that. So, if you have any further insight in the, you know, what you would do as uh, as kind of the overseer of the Pioneer Homes and the and the uh, the you know elderly uh, projects, uh, now is the time to ask it. 
Right. Well, right now, the homes in Alaska Housing and Services, it's for a maximum of 498 seniors. Mm -hmm. And uh, Alaska has 131,000 seniors, and that number is growing annually. And I just, uh, I think that we can do better. Uh, We must do better. We will do better. And one thing is... um, a friend of mine, Bev, you know, she's looking into going into the, the one of the pioneer homes, and she says that um, they have shared bathrooms between the rooms, and uh, and and she doesn't like that, and I agree with her. She says for two strangers to share a bathroom, how unsanitary and how what a violation to your your personal being. Right. Right. Well, uh, you know, I think that looking at those things definitely, and we do have an, uh, the aging population, the boomers, you know, are starting to age out, and uh, we're going to be faced with more of that, I think, as we move forward, and we need to look at those programs um, yeah, as well. Absolutely, and another, yeah, another thing is the Medicare. Uh, our seniors don't have Medicare Part C, which is also known as the Medicare Advantage plans, and uh, instead, our seniors, they... Um, they have to buy that supplemental insurance for their medical. And from my understanding, it, it costs almost $6,000 a year per couple. Right. No, definitely so, not cheap. Um, and on the Veterans Affairs Committee, uh, you know, overseeing Veterans Affairs, that doesn't directly affect the VA, the VA hospitals, right? It's just Veterans Affairs? Right, right. Right, okay. Right. So I just wanted to clarify that because somebody said, did she say the VA is efficient? No, you're talking about the Veterans Administration, not the – the right. uh, not the vet yeah. not the veterans part affairs of the, yeah correct part of the the alaska's department of military and veterans affairs right right not the not the va hospitals for sure <laughs> nothing to do no. with the va hospital yeah. i'm with you there <laughs> put Edie in charge of the va hospital see what kind of changes can be wrought there so um yeah. hey but i do support that um getting rid of that community of need for the oh, hospital. The certificate of need? Yeah. No. Yeah. What a mess. What a hot mess that is. You're right. I agree. Uh, that would make a big difference to people across the state for their health care needs for sure. Um, Absolutely. And it's something we definitely need to look at. All right, Edie. Well, thank you so much for coming on board. Uh, and we look forward to maybe talking to you again. I'd love to have you and Charlie on together sometime. Maybe we can make that happen as well. Okay. All right. Thank Edie Grunwald, uh, our guest, uh, candidate for lieutenant governor here on the program today. All right. Uh, we're 40 seconds out from returning to the radio and we're ready to jump back in. Um, uh, Walker, the PFD thief, chose a bureaucrat. See the difference. Yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, Edie is definitely not your standard, uh, not your standard bureaucrat. That's for sure. Uh, all right, uh, let's uh, get into it again. Don't forget to uh, don't forget to like and share. Uh, don't forget to like and follow the show page. If you're on YouTube, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and ring the bell. Let's get back into it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Let's do it. Here we go. Well, that was a fun, refreshing conversation. You know, 
somebody in the chat room just said Charlie and Edie are not career politicians, and uh, I agree. I like seeing that. I would like to see people who are not career politicians be more interested in running for office. I think that's what separates a lot of us out. Uh, is especially on the left, they utilize all these smaller positions for leapfrog into uh, you know into higher office. Right? They start out at the school board level or the community council level, and then they work their way up to assembly and then to state legislature, and then they want to run for governor, or, you know, senator or whatever. Anyway, um, we're into the final segment of the program today. And I'm opening up the phone lines, 433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line. If you'd like to sound off, now is the time to do it. Speaking of communication, want to say thank you to our sponsor, Bivy and Satellite West. Now, Bivy, that's B-I-V-Y, like your bivouac, your Bivy. Um, is a company that creates this little, they call it uh, SBD, uh, not silent but deadly, short burst data device. And, it, it, you know, we you talk about being ready for anything. You know, we live in Alaska where, you know, the place wants to try and kill you every five minutes. I mean, if you're not paying attention. It, it can. It can be a dangerous spot. You know, and not just Alaska, but really the world these days with everything that's going on, the uncertainty, you know, the there was just another uh, there was just another earthquake off the coast of Japan. We had an earthquake earlier this week here right here another one. And being ready for anything means being able to communicate with those you love and let them know what's going on. That's what the Bivy stick does. It's this little tiny device that's uh you know, I don't know, 2 inches by 4 inches, about half the size of your cell phone. You tether it to your phone and you download the app, you get it all set up. And it gives you the ability to communicate with anyone anywhere in the world at any time. You could send text messages. You can send emails. Uh, the best part is, is that it's got, you know, built-in mapping and everything. So you can drop a pin at your location and tell people where you are. There's a little button right here that basically uh, it's a little got a little check mark in it. And if you push that button, it sends an automated message to the people of your choice with your location that says, hey, I'm okay, and here's where I'm at. Uh, it's got a little button on the bottom in red that if you peel it up and push it, it says, uh, hey, I've fallen and I can't get up, and here's what my location is. So it gives you peace of mind. If you're out hunting or hiking, fishing, snow machining, biking, trucking, trekking, uh, you know, uh, out on the ocean, Wherever it is that you're at, you could push that little button and you know that somebody is going to know exactly where you are. That's the beauty of the bivy stick. On top of that, it's got maps and you know it's got maps uh, connected to it. Uh, you can drop a pin if you're transiting or traveling. You can set it to drop a pin on your location as to where you are. You could set that pin to drop every two minutes, four minutes, six minutes, eight minutes, every 10 minutes. And it's it's robust. I mean, it's 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 a tough little thing. It's got a little lanyard hole, so you can just hook it to your gear. It lasts five days on a single charge, and you it, you don't even have to be an outdoor enthusiast. I got one for my wife so that she can put it in the glove box of her car, 
So if we have another earthquake like we did in 2018, only we're not all home at this time, and, uh, you know, the cell towers were all congested, a couple of them got knocked offline, and, and I mean, I was having a hard time making phone calls because I didn't have a landline. All I had was a cell phone. But if I have my bivy stick, I can send a text message. If my wife's not there or if I'm not there, I can say, I'm okay. Here's where I'm at. I can, uh, you know, send emails. And I can also get weather forecasts and everything else, both aviation, marine, and just regular forecasts. And and it just gives me that piece of, it just gives me the warm, fuzzy feeling because I know that I can always be in contact. That's the beauty of the bivy stick. And the best part, it's only 199 bucks. 199 bucks. And they've got monthly plans ranging from $14 a month, which is the one I got my wife on, which is the safety plan. To the unlimited plan, which is what I have, sending I can send as many messages or texts or pins as I want. Um, and you can get all that and more. Just go to your local dealer and find out more. Arctic Fire and Safety in Fairbanks. South Central Radar on the Spit in Homer. Radar Alaska in Kodiak. Communications North in Seward or Dutch Harbor. You can go to Lundy Marine Electronics. And then you can go to any safe and sound location in Wasilla, Soldatna, or Anchorage and find out more about the bivy stick. 199 bucks. When was the last time? I mean, that's a piece of kit that anybody should have in their bag or their car or their emergency kit or whatever. I don't know. I've got mine in my pocket. I just keep putting it back in my pocket. That's what I do with it. The bivy stick. Find out more at satellitewest.com. All right. Um, 199 bucks. 199 bucks. Somebody just said how much is it in YouTube and it's $199. All right, uh one final one final little blurb here. What do we got left? We got do I got any phones open? No, I mean I got phones open. I don't have any phone calls right now. So, feel free to call in if you want to sound off. Coming up on the program tomorrow, Scott Kawasaki will be joining us to talk about the upcoming PFD debate which I think Mike Schauer and uh, Bill Willikowski and uh, one of the permanent fund defenders is going to – oh, Joe Geldhoff's going to be there as well. Uh, there's going to be some folks uh, that are going to be there, and uh, you should uh, you should tune in tomorrow morning at 624. We got, uh, we've got we uh, got him on the program, Scott Kawasaki, to talk about it. We won't have uh, uh, Mike Schauer this week. He's going to be in um, – next week to talk about and then on firearms friday we're gonna have a lot of things to talk about include this new one point whatever it is 1.6 trillion dollar spending bill and uh, the the gun provisions that are in that and all the other gun laws that are going on and i'm sure we'll probably dip down into the ukraine thing again as well and talk about that uh there what else 1.5 trillion dollar anti-firearms legislation baked into the spending bill Murkowski and Young both voted for it. Sullivan said um, he didn't. Uh, no, no. Hadn't had time to read through the whole bill. He was a little concerned. And uh, there you go. <sighs> so there you go. It's uh, it's good stuff. All right. Uh, 433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line if you want to call off. Uh, congratulations, by the way. I meant to say this earlier in the program today. To Brent, uh, to Brent Sass for winning his very first Iditarod across the finish line yesterday morning at just after 6 a.m. And so congratulations to him. 
um, for uh, for winning his first one. He came in third last year. That was his his other highest finish. So congratulations to him and uh, to all the mushers who got it coming across the trail there. All right. Well, I guess we're out of time for today. You guys got awful quiet there at the very end. That's okay. Tomorrow's another day. We will uh, continue then. We appreciate you guys all being part of the program today. Again, don't forget to check out the podcast later on. If you missed anything, you can listen to it in its entirety or you can share it with your friends and relatives on CastBox, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and, of course, Spotify. That's the best way to send all that stuff to us. But that's uh, for later. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, my friends, I got to go. We got to bail out of here. Somebody called in in the last 20 seconds of the show. I'm sorry I couldn't take your call. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We hope you have a good day. We will see you. Donna or uh, Edie will be at District 6 in Homer this Saturday at the VFW Saturday night for a meet and greet in Anchor Point. I know exactly where that's at. Head on out there this Saturday night if you get a chance So uh, to meet and greet Edie Grunewald. All right, my friends. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.